Welcome back to Conversations with Ipswich School, the podcast where we bring together the community to explore more about life inside the school from the point of view of pupils, staff and parents. In each episode, we'll be in conversation with members of the school community to delve deeper into life at Ipswich School. So let's get into this episode right now of Conversations with Ipswich School. So hello and welcome to Conversations with Ipswich School. Today I'm joined by an OI, Nicholas Bowman Scargill and Dylan from Sixth Form. So Nicholas uh, resurrected his family business, Fears Watches, in 2016, remembered well actually by teachers here for his sharp mind, his hardworking ethic, eye for detail and ability to get on with anyone and everyone. Hello, Nicholas. Hi there. My goodness, I never realised my school file said said all of that in one place. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very fondly remembered. And Dylan, also well known for his acting talents, recently taking the lead role in the Adams Family Musical and for being one of our most creative students. And Dylan is also part of our student-led consciousness club and will be running it next year. Hello, Dylan. Hi, I'm going to be riding on that ego boost for the next week. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start, Nicholas, with you. Can you tell us a little bit more about your time at Ipswich School? Certainly, yeah. So I was at Ipswich from, I think, I assume it's still called Year 6, so from about 10 years old, right through to sixth form, till I went on to university. And this is actually something I've noticed right through my life. It's, you know, I look at what my school friends do and when talking with them, and there's a just a a self-assurance, which I take, for granted until you realise that not everyone has that. And I think it comes from an environment, bear in mind what I'm about to say, I'm not paid for by Ipswich School to say this, but it's what comes from an environment that encourages you to believe in yourself. And that means to actually decide what you want to achieve rather than feel that society limits you. And that, that can be about career, not just about, you know, yourself personally, it's about what you want to achieve. So yeah, no, Ipswich was uh, yeah, very, very happy times. So the community is quite important for both of you. Why is it important to have an inclusive and diverse community? I, I can answer first. Thank you. So I think it's very important because, you know, your identity, who you are. So, for example, you know, I identify as, as a gay man and I have done since I was 13 years old. So since somewhere during year nine at school. And I think it's important because... When people are accepting of that, when you know people are accepting with that, you can get on with life and you can get on with everything else. I mean, I I look at, you know, what I've done over, you know, I'm now 35. So I look at what I've done in the preceding, preceding the following 22 years, which suddenly makes me feel very old. And I, I realize, you know, almost everything I've done, everything I've achieved in my, my, my career, but also in my personal life, I wouldn't have been able to do without support I had at school, at home, and also for the era when I, you know, I I, I came out as gay and and was growing up, you know, already was a time where it was becoming more accepted and people were appreciating that this, this was normal. And I think it's so important because too often people will just focus on it and forget that it's one part of a person. And you need to have a society that accepts all kinds of people. Otherwise, how are we, as the human race, going to grow? Let's, let's go down to a you know, basic economic stand. And you know, I run my own company. We, we manufacture wristwatches. If I'm you know, suddenly discriminating against who, you know, who I'll work with, who I'll employ, who I'll sell my watches to, 
That's bad business. You know, it's ethically, socially and morally wrong, but it's also bad business. And you, you know, I think people often will forget that, you know, if they are discriminating against someone or a, a group of people for whatever reason, is no one wins. Absolutely no one wins. And I think that's why it's so important because not just so that people feel feel safe in themselves, feel confident, but for all the positive benefits that will come over the next, you know, 80, 90, 100 years of that person's life, their contribution to society. That's beautifully put. Do you agree, John? Yeah, I mean, Nicholas put it better than I ever could, but... It's, it's so <laughs> well put. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, promoting acceptance is such an integral part of of people being able to to accept themselves and their identities. And, you know, you know, as a gay person, I think it's definitely been quite not a straightforward road into accepting that, but it's always something I've known. I've never really had a build up to the revelation. I've never really, it's just something that's always been there in the back of my mind. But for the longest time, I thought it was something that was just something I'd ignore and I'd just get on with my life. And it would just be something, you know, that I wouldn't ever think about anymore. And I try to ignore it completely. So I, I wonder a question for Nicholas. Did you, how, how was your experience like, with your sexuality? Was it something that you've always known? Was it something that you gradually became aware of? I would say it's something I've always known. An interesting point I made to someone the other day, though, linked to it is, so I don't think of myself as a, as a gay man. You know, I think of myself as Nicholas Bowman Scargill, one half of the Bowman Scargills, married to Christopher, who's a professor in mathematics. I think of myself as the fourth managing director of my company. I employ six people. I'm sat here in my offices in Bristol. These are, what, these are the things that I see that I identify as myself. They're, they're the things that make me, me. I'm, I'm six foot tall. I have blue eyes. I'm lucky enough to have kept a slender physique all these years later. These are the things that are me. Being a gay man, I don't ever really think about it, except, and this I think is a really interesting point that I would say most most heterosexual people will never have to think about or encounter. At 35, I pretty much still come out every single day. Because the moment I mention someone when they notice my, my wedding ring, you know, oh, what is it your partner does? And I mention my husband, duh, 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 duh. straight away, you've come out as gay. And it's one of those funny things you realise, like as, as a gay person or, or someone who isn't of, you know, the, the uh, I would say the sort of heterosexual norm as such, you spe- you'll, you'll probably spend your entire life always coming out. I realised very quickly that the best way to come out would be if I told one of my best friends, she was a dear friend, really loyal, but she was also a huge gossip. And so I realised <laughs> that if before... <laughs> game started as we were walking to the playing field I told her I knew by the time that we walked back to school at four o'clock pretty much everyone would know I then knew that I would come in on the Friday and I would have the barrage of everything that was going to hit me you know all the questions all the you know the name calling whatever was going to happen was going to happen but then I realized if I got through Friday I then had Saturday and Sunday to go home and just you know, reset, to relax, to mentally prepare myself for Monday, having, you know, and also hoping that most people would have lost interest. Well, no, they didn't. I mean, five years later, people were still asking me questions at school. But, but it, was, <laughs> it was that thinking about how do you do it? And of course, straight away, 
from Friday morning, you walk into school, people say, are you gay? Yes, I am gay. Yes. Yes is the easiest. It's one word. It's three letters. Yeah. And straight away, you've just got to say yes. And you're not lying. And you're, you're, you're a whole weight just comes off you rather than saying, I am gay. Yeah, people treat being gay as like some sort of alien thing. Like I came out quite young at school in year six at oh, my wow. old school. And I remember like people approaching me and asking me if I was gay as if like they were asking me if I had a third arm. It was people just completely didn't understand it. And it, it was quite, I never treated it as some kind of like revelation or some announcement. I also did something a bit more subtle and I was just like, you know, talked about, I don't know, Zac Efron's attractive, right? And then I just kind of let it be known instead of being, having like a I'm gay moment. Cause that never, as you said, feels natural. It just feels very strange and uncomfortable. And so I, I put, we had like a whole year group chat and then I think I just wrote something along the lines of, wow, Zac Efron is so fit. And then people were like, oh my God, are you gay? And I was like, yes. And then I just kind of like turned off my phone and was like, I'm not going to think about this right now. I'll just deal with this when I go back to school tomorrow. And then obviously the barrage came and everyone was asking me and it was quite a thing. I remember everyone kind of stopped making it such a big deal after like a week, but it was still something that I'd get asked quite regularly. But I think as I, I've been to quite a few schools because I've, I lived in Spain and then I moved to England and then I changed schools. And every time I've come out, I've, you know, kind of noticed how people react differently depending on what age you are. And I think year six, people definitely were like way more surprised and it was treated as quite a shocking thing. And I think by year nine and then by year 11, when I've seen other people be more open about their sexualities, I think it becomes less of a thing. And I think that has a big I think that's largely due to um, representation in the media and how it's being seen as more of a normal thing. And people, I think, treat it as more of a normal thing as a result of that. And I think that's really important that people realise that it's not such a weird thing. When I was around 14, 15, Will and Grace came out with, you know, actual main lead characters who were gay. But other than that, there was there was none of it. There were, you know, very, very few gay pop stars, absolutely no gay sports people. Um, it was, yeah, I, I, I think that's, a, that's one of the biggest things um, that's changed. I mean, a few weekends ago, my husband's currently living and working in Canada. And before he went, we basically sat down one Sunday and watched Heartstopper in, in, in a, and we just binge watched it. Yeah. And I don't think there was any episode where we didn't have tears in our <laughs> eyes. And I think it's because we realised, like, how much we wanted that when we were at school. Not necessarily talking about the relationship, but wanted the acceptance, wanted the normality of it, wanted the to have someone else who you could talk to in your year group. And I think people definitely undermine the impact of their words because I, like, just hearing that's so gay or, you know, being like that word being used in, in quite homophobic ways, it, it really does affect the way you perceive yourself, especially like most of my school experience when I've been out, I haven't been like out with anyone else, especially in the younger years. And like hearing people use that just made me feel even more of an outsider and even more of a, 
you know, an alien than I, than I really am. And it's, it's really, I think it's a lot more impactful than, than people think it is. I was wondering, what was your experience post coming out for you? Did you, how did your school life change? It's difficult because, you know, I'm looking back on, you know, when I came out was, yeah, 22 years ago. And of course, over time, you know, any of the sort of, you know, the name calling when you're 13 heals. It does heal. It does, you know, it does does go away. So it's quite difficult to kind of think all the way back. But it wasn't easy. I think the thing I found most difficult was how lonely it was. And there were times where I never regretted coming out, not for a moment. You know, even on the toughest days, I never regretted it. I won't lie, there were days where, you know, you, you realise how much easier it would be just not to be gay. You know, just how much easier life would be. But then I do have to check my privilege. You know, I am a white Caucasian man whose first language is English. I was born and grew up in England in a, you know, a, a pretty well-off family. Yeah, you know what? Like, I, I, I've done okay. I've, I, you know, the roll of the dice of um, the luck of the draw has been very much in my favour. But, you know, of course, then you focus on the things that would make your life even easier. And I remember at school thinking, you know, if I was if I was just straight, you know, I, life would be so much easier. But nowadays I realise, you know, though I don't identify, you know, I, I don't think of myself primarily as a gay man. I also do realise how being a gay man has absolutely been a huge advantage in in my life and in my you know, what I do, um, you know, from a relationship standpoint, but also, you know, from, from my business, from, from running it, you know, from very practical things of, you know, gay men tend to be more creative. You know, there's something in the brain that is wired, you know, there, there are certain traits that tend to, to, to be linked together. And, you know, over the years, there would be moments where suddenly it was much better. And then there'd be a new year group of year sevens join. And they would, um, they would be like, oh, you know, you know, oh, I hear you're gay. And you're like, oh, come on. We, we, we did this last year. Like, you know, we've already done yeah. this. But I, I tell you what, there was one moment in uh, year 13, upper six. If you still have the, the like, the, the, the whole school assembly once a week. So we're in, we're in grade school. And, you know, six formers running down the sides. I was uh, head of house. Dylan, which house are you in? School. Ah, okay. Well, you know. What house were you in? Best of luck next time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I was Holden, head of Holden. The lion, you know. It was uh, was good times, good times. Anyway, I had done uh, a public speaking diploma and I'd, I'd got a medal for it and a great big certificate. And it allowed me, before I went to university, it allowed me to put letters after my name. Which, which felt very, very fancy, very fancy indeed. And this, the, the school very kindly decided that they wanted to present this in assembly as a, you know, in front of everyone, please come up, shake headmaster's uh, hand and, and receive your certificate. And this was towards the end of the year. So this is kind of towards the end of my school time. And what I remember was, I, I knew I, this was going to happen. It wasn't sprung on me. And so, you know, I walked confidently forward. And it was only after I'd shaken the headmaster's hand, people were clapping, I turn round to come down the stairs, back off the stage. And at that point, I'm facing the audience. And I suddenly realise that from year seven all the way up, everyone is standing and like stamping feet and cheering. And I suddenly realised that that was the moment where, because 
I had been very, you know, confident and saying, this is who I am. I am different. You know, I'm going to just get on with it. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to put up with whatever comes my way and I'm going to succeed. It was that sort of moment where people were like, well, good on you. Well done. You know, good for you doing that. And I I still remember it clearly. It was probably, you know, one of my proudest moments. I mean, I'm very lucky to have been featured several times in the Financial Times. I've been Attitude Magazine's LGBT trailblazer of the year. I'm very lucky to have had, you know, lots of, 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 of lovely accolades over the years. But that in particular, always, I always remember that. And I remember always thinking, wow, what a show of acceptance. You know, actually the last five years for even the worst moments were worth it. Once the cat's out of the bag, once you come out, you can't go back in. You can't mm. get back in the closet. Mm. And at that point, you, you have a decision, you know, and I appreciate not everyone will have the, the, the self-confidence to do this. But, you know, if you come out on your own terms, it's got to be about moving forward. It's about tomorrow. It's about the next chapter of your life. It's not about what's just happened in the past. You have to move forward. And so, you know, for me, that was getting on with things. It was, you know, working hard at school. It was doing exciting things extracurricular. It was, you know, getting my certificate in public speaking. It was winning awards. You know, it was it was basically trying to find things that I could do to focus, to keep moving the, you know, the Nicholas Bowman Scargill story forward rather than just standing there and you know having people trying to batter me down now that's tough and so quite often you know i i employ um several women in my company and they will say you know yeah you know in in our industry they have to work you know double triple as hard as men to to be respected on the same level i'm dyslexic i have to work doubly hard to just write a half decent email and so i think it's that thing of saying you shouldn't have to do any of these things. If you're dyslexic, if you're a woman, if you're you know, someone of, of, of a different colour or race, you shouldn't have to do any of that. And so therefore, as a LGBTQ plus person, you shouldn't have to. But if you do, then the moment you find yourself in your community with your people, or, you know, let's say you leave school, you leave, you know, children who want to bully you and you're in the big wide world if you're used to having that confidence of just moving your story forward my goodness life is going to be very exciting the opportunities that will come forward really are strong now saying all this i I wouldn't recommend anyone who doesn't feel comfortable coming out before it's time if you do feel you're, you're you're comfortable and confident and you're in that position where you think the time is right you know my goodness it 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 is it's probably the biggest leg up you'll ever have in life, being true to yourself and knowing who you are. And I'm just curious, how did um, homophobia kind of manifest itself in your experience? Because for me, quite a lot of it was passive homophobia. So there's one other Dylan in my year, and I'd always be labeled as the gay Dylan. And I'd hear that all the time. Like people would just refer to me as the gay one or, you know, gay Dylan. And I think homophobia people are so afraid of being labelled as homophobic. But they, I think, because they don't realise that homophobia doesn't just have to be people saying, I hate gay people, or, you know, or using a slur. And I think it definitely kind of manifests itself in people's language and how they think about and how they speak about gay people, whether it's subconsciously or whether they do it maliciously. And I think, you know, things like being labelled as the gay one, as if that's like the only personality trait I have and I have nothing else of value to my identity. You you, you want people to relax. You, You don't want people to be around you thinking, oh my goodness, I can't say anything in case I might offend them. But I think it's just thinking like, 
you know, if it, was, if it wasn't someone who was gay, it was someone who was from a specific, you know, race or a different sex, would I make a similar kind of joke to them? And if you wouldn't, which you shouldn't, then don't because of sexuality. You, you mentioned earlier, like, how, how, do you, how do you stamp it out? You know, without filling uh, the detention halls with several thousand students, it's probably by, you know, drumming into people like, no, no, we treat this word on par with other words that are so inappropriate, we won't even use them. We will reference them by being the letter word. So gay becomes the G word. Just do not use it. And if you think about using it, question, do you use the other words? And if you do, my goodness, look in a mirror because, you, you know, you've got a lot wrong with yourself. But if, you know, if you don't, then don't use the G word. And certainly not in a passive way, not in a descriptive throwaway way. You know, there are so many other ways to describe you other than your sexuality. Yeah, we had, um, it's actually, it was a talk by Laura Bates about sexism. And the, one of the interesting things I learned from it was she said, reporting the incident doesn't mean you have to own it so at school it's okay to just tell someone this was said that was said like you say about banter it's not okay if it's scary you don't have to be the person that then goes over and has the word and solves problem you just need to tell someone else and you need to tell someone who's responsible and then they will deal with it we've got a platform called call it out you hear something something said and you report it online and then a teacher will deal with it i mean that's a perfect way of doing it it's about actually yeah this you know a throwaway comment may not seem important to you and what are you going to say in return that's going to vaguely, you know, sort of make them, you're not going to change someone's mind. But yeah, elevate it to the right people. And then it, you know, then it's suddenly treated as being serious. And actually, they probably wouldn't think for a moment that was even worthy of reporting to a, a teacher because who cares? You know, it's just a bit of fun. Without saying, you know, it sounds a bit obvious to say it, but it is all about education, right? You know, it, it, it's about it is, that. Yeah. And, you know, it's also about putting it in that context of this is a bad thing. You know, do not do this. And if you do, it, it gets elevated. But I think what's the most important thing, and I would say the most important thing for anyone who is questioning, you know, who they are and whether they should put it out there, the experience you'll have online will be very different to society. It is very, very rare in the real world that people are going to come up to you and start going, well, you are doing this and you are... No, no, people do it online because they can hide behind the cloak of nimity. I think that's how you pronounce it. So I think it is trying to realise these are two very separate worlds and one seems very big and very vocal, but actually, to be frank, it's, it's, you know, as long as it's kept checked, it's pretty insignificant in, in, in the real world. I completely agree. I definitely try and moderate my feed online and I try and you know as I I study politics at a level and I think it's definitely really useful to make sure that the content you're consuming comes from more than just one you know side of the political spectrum as you said and even with my friends I think differences make for lively conversations. I've learned so much about bigger picture thinking if you're worried about your identity worried about coming out and also some really great tactical stuff nicholas you know thursday (laughs) (laughs) thursday's always the best day right (laughs) (laughs) if there's one thing we leave people with what would it be so you shouldn't do anything that doesn't feel right so if you know if you're debating about your your sexuality and whether you're going to come out or not you shouldn't do it until you're ready but absolutely realize it's easier earlier rather than later and you know 
whatever you want to do, whatever you want to achieve in your life, you will realize years later the benefit if you come to terms with it earlier. You really will have that leg up because of the confidence of knowing who you are. It suddenly, you move on to the next thing. You know, you, you, it becomes less of an issue. So, you know, you, you don't want to put yourself in harm's way. You don't want to um, do something that isn't right. But certainly, you know, if you think it's, it, it's tough now, you know, it's, it, it's something where it is actually easier than later on. You don't want to end up in a position where, you know, you've, you've gone down a path, which means it actually is going to cause a lot of hurt to people, you know, other than just discomfort for yourself. I think that surrounding yourself with positive people and uplifting people in, in, you know, in, in communities, you know, which I think Ipswich School does pretty well. I think that's such an important part because the minute I stopped being around people who viewed it as, you know, the punchline of the joke, it, it, it finally allowed me to, to really view it as, you know, it, it isn't my identity, like it, it is my part of my identity. It isn't my complete identity. And I think that's something that people need to understand. Thank you very much. I've learned so much. There's been so much there that I found helpful. Timing, acceptance, surrounding yourself by the right people. It's been fascinating and interesting. Thank you very much, Nicholas and Dylan. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's it for this episode of Conversations with Ipswich School. And thank you for listening. To find out more, check out the school website, ipswich.school. Now, the next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.